0: Good evening and welcome to the EFL preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Thank you very much for tuning back in after we face a new season here in the EFL. Of course, as always, you'll get to expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week from last season. And that is no different this year as we take a look at all the fixtures coming up over the next nine months. What we'll be doing tonight... Um, As our very first introductory episode back into the EFL Review, if you've managed to stumble across us by uh, any particular reason, uh, my name is Adam Davis. I I am the host of the EFL Review and I've been working at Three Valleys Radio for now, just over 12 months. We go through uh, all the fixtures uh, before and after every set of fixtures we can across the EFL, which of course is the Skybet Championship League One and League Two. And we take through all of the uh, exciting action of which there was plenty last year across all three divisions, and I must say, probably even more this year. Of course, Five new teams will be entering the EFL that we previously haven't spoken about on this show, or at least not in any great depth. Three down from the Premier League in the form of Leicester City, Southampton and Leeds United, of which i got a feeling we'll be discussing all three at extensive length over the course of this year. And two up from the National League, who I also fear we're probably going to talk an awful lot about in the form of Notts County and Hollywood big spenders, Wrexham. But we won't just be focusing on those five. We try and give as much uh, of of an audience and of an analysis of every club, of all 72 clubs, of course, that are taking place in the EFL this year. What we will be doing is doing a bit of a league preview tonight, do a little few interviews, look ahead at the fixtures that are taking place on the first weekend of action, which is the weekend of Saturday, the 5th of August. And we will be uh, going into it as much as we possibly can, maybe talk about a little bit about each club and uh, where we will get from this. If you have a club that is uh, that you follow in the EFL with particular uh, excitement, please make sure to get in contact with me and we'll be able to do, try and give maybe a little bit more uh, emphasis on those particular clubs or even getting you on the show. Please get in touch with us here at Three Valleys Radio. So, without further ado, let's make a start on... On the championship. So, the way we're going to handle it this year, uh, last year we did very much a small overview about clubs that I might see as a bit of a dark horse, those that were perhaps going to be a little bit more underwhelming, and then those that were probably going to run away with the league. And I must say, my pre season predictions last year weren't too bad. We had that Burnley would do very, very well. We had that Middlesbrough might be a dark horse up in the championship. We thought Sheffield United would be all right. Maybe the three relegated clubs was slightly more um, hard to predict. I thought Rotherham would do a lot worse than they did, but they were credit to them, did very, very well. And unfortunately, we've seen three clubs go down in the form of Blackpool, Reading and Wigan, Uh, all of them with various problems off the field. Blackpool, more on the field stuff, really, than anything else. But of course, much, much... controversy and fear that really uh, has applied to Wigan and Reading. Uh, one of them seems to have come out the other end the pretty well in the form of Wigan, uh, Reading still ongoing, but we'll talk about more about them in the League One preview. So what we will be doing, as opposed to doing just a f- discussion about a few clubs, we're going to do a full review of all 24 clubs and where they will finish this season. Now, this won't necessarily come from solely my analysis. This is heavily inspired uh, by another EFL-based podcast that you've almost certainly heard of in the form of the Not the Top 20. A really, really good programme that go into a fantastic level of depth for all three leagues. Not that our programme doesn't, of course. But what they've done is done some immense amount of research and tried to guess where all of these teams finish. For me, it's a little bit more difficult to suggest where they're going to finish. Are they going to finish in 15th or 17th, for example, Um, is really, really hard to predict. But what I want to do is go through the uh, bit of a review of their 24, have my sort of two pence on a few of them and see whether I drastically agree or disagree with them. So. I think we start with the bottom three, and their bottom three relegated clubs are Queen's Park Rangers finishing last, Sheffield Wednesday 23rd, and Rotherham United 22nd. Queen's Park Rangers 18 months ago looked an entirely different outfit to the one we see today. We have a very Gareth Ainsworth heavily inspired club, very, very similar to what of course we saw In his illustrious career at Wickham, Um, um, Les Ferdinand, old uh, director of football, uh, has been at QPR for many, many years. He has left. Plenty of other things have gone on with the club. A lot of major players departing as well, with very little really in the form of exciting transfers coming in. When you're having to rely on signing someone like Jack Colback as one of your main midfielders, maybe things aren't quite as wonderful as we'd hoped. I really do hope I'm wrong, of course, for all clubs that I predict to finish in the relegation zone, or more specifically, not the top 20 do as well. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have had so many problems off the field uh, in the last three months, which is a real shame given how fantastically their season ended last year, of course, winning the playoff final at Wembley back in May. They had lots of different players there, but more importantly, they had a very different manager in the form of Darren Moore, someone that uh, here at Three Valleys, we ended up interviewing an awful lot and hearing about his uh, evolution as both a manager and his Sheffield Wednesday side over the course of the season. Well, he fell out with a serial nutcase, Dejon Tan-Chan Siri, who is the Sheffield Wednesday boss, uh, famous for basically being slightly nuts and selling Hillsborough to himself to get round FFP allegations. Um has basically said that uh, he accused Aaron Moore of asking for a mammoth contract and an unreasonable transfer budget and rather than back the manager that got them out of the uh, promotion uh, out of League One with a uh, very impressive points total of 96, they sacked him. Anyway, Zisco Munez has taken over this year. Uh, Zisco Munez has already seen promotion out of this league with Watford, which is very rare, of course, because that implies that you've stayed in Watford for more than 20 minutes. Well, he didn't last very long in the Premier League and has been uh, out in, I believe, um, out in Greece since that time, uh, but has now returned uh, and has returned to South Yorkshire. A lack of really exciting signings, unfortunately, with that. I think there's a lot more to be going on with. It's going to be a difficult campaign for Sheffield Wednesday. I completely agree with not the top 20 here to suggest that uh, Sheffield Wednesday probably going to be at the wrong end of the table. And the third team in here was Rotherham United. Now Rotherham United started out of the blocks incredibly well last season and that was of course under boss Paul Warne. That was continued in some respects when they they hired his replacement when he left for Derby County in the form of former Exeter boss Matt Taylor. Unfortunately we started to see a Rotherham United that we sort of largely expected in the championship where there was some very hard fought wins and some overall pretty decent performance but ultimately lacking the cutting edge that you really need at the championship level with enough star-studded power. More than understandable when you're one of the very few clubs that chooses to run financially sustainably at, at this level. With it, what they did often do is rely on the prowess of Chedi Ozio Bene, a name that we said an awful lot last year on the preview show. Unfortunately, he has gone to Luton Town, of course, newly promoted Luton Town of the Premier League. So this is going to be a really difficult one. There's not really been major uh, replacements with them. Connor Washington, another of their main strikers, has joined Paul Ward at Derby County. More on Derby later. Bottom half of the table, 21st, we have Huddersfield, who, of course, under new ownership since we last spoke, but still at the same helm of none other than Neil Warnock, who decided that retirement still isn't quite for him, and he fancies doing another year in charge. Really exciting stuff there, but what he hasn't had is much money really to spend, and there's been limited transfers uh, going into the John Smith Stadium this year. So overall, not really many sellable assets because uh, for the large part of their season, it wasn't particularly great. But we might still see them just enough to survive. Now, another one that uh, in 20th place, not top 20, have Cardiff. Now, I'm not too sure about Cardiff. I'm amazing very heavily about how well Cardiff are going to perform this year. Um, They had a rather dismal campaign last year, uh, going through numerous different managers, none of them looking particularly exciting, uh, plenty of off-the-field issues, and of course largely to do with the court cases regarding the uh, payment to FC Nantes for Emiliano Salah, when he unfortunately lost his life on the way to signing for Cardiff City, uh, which has really let's say tarnished the reputation I think of Cardiff City as a transfer Um, certainly abroad and generally doesn't paint the club in a particularly great light. Um, Vincent Tan of course does not represent all of Cardiff and all of Cardiff don't necessarily represent Vincent Tan. But what they have done is they've got a new uh, a new uh, manager in in Mr. Bullet from uh, Turkey who looks pretty exciting. Plays some uh, nice attacking football there, which would be uh, very very good for a team that was that can really really play very well. Cardiff can have got an excellent midfield, which has been made even stronger in the form of well local lad so to speak of Aaron Ramsey, who of course started his career at Cardiff City before having a very illustrious campaign at Arsenal. Uh, other teams down towards the bottom of the table, we've got Hull, Plymouth, Blackburn Rovers, Preston North End and Watford. So that's 19th to 15th. Now, a lot of interesting clubs in there. Now, Watford, of course, was very much sold last year as a bit of a blip when they uh, didn't immediately return back to the Premier League, as they've been sort of largely accustomed to do. Um, again, it's the sort of things that management's... Uh, The management merry-go-round that we expect at Watford has continued on. Uh, What will make it even more painful for Watford fans was the fact that they saw that they signed a really excellent manager in the form of Rod Edwards at the beginning of the year. Uh, He wasn't given the time to really do anything. I think he was only in charge for about 10 games, but he did see a promotion this season, but with their arch rivals, Luton. I still don't think that there's going to be too much more with Watford there. I think there's a lot of issues there. Valerian Ishmael is a controversial manager. You get a very certain style of play out of him. Whether it's going to generate the immediate results that Watford are looking for, I don't know. Replacing Amaila Saar with Tom Ince as well from Reading, probably not exactly at a promotion pushing side. Maybe another year of slight disappointment. Other teams in that run, Preston North End, the loss of Ton Cannon's goals will be a major flaw for them. They still don't spend a huge amount of money, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but does mean that uh, a season of largely unspectacular football could be relatively likely for Preston. Although the signing of Will Keane could do major bits for them. Blackburn Rovers are are going to have various off-field issues, which is a line I seem to be saying an awful lot regarding the bottom end of the championship. Um... And unfortunately, this seems to be another case of it and lots of issues with the venkies how much money is actually available, whether Yondahl Thomason is in a position or willing to be to be asking to deliver certain expectations and what signings he can bring in and what football they can obviously bring in off the back of it. Who knows? Another thing that they would have been quite li- they would have quite liked to do, of course, with the money available to them would have been to uh, keep Ben and Diaz but he of course did not sign a new contract in the end season and has moved to Villarreal in Spain could they have sold him a year earlier and got a really decent fee for him having had two very very impressive seasons maybe but it's a uh, if buts and maybes is always a very difficult one particularly in championship football so limited off field um, limited expenditure could lead to a rather difficult uh, position for them Hull, um, not too much to really say about them, that Liam Resenia is, hopefully he's given the time, he can sign some exciting players, whether Hull have already suggested that there's probably not a lot of money for them to spend this year uh, regarding and therefore having to cut their cloth cloth accordingly, which is a quote from the ownership, probably suggests that there isn't really the finances available to compete at the top end of the championship, which we largely expect um, for most clubs. So as a result, got to put them near the bottom. Plymouth, of course, are recently promoted in the final team we've just discussed here and have finishing top of the table with an impressive 101 points. Within that squad, there were lots of players who were on loan, but most of them have actually returned in the form of permanent deals. I'm mainly talking about Morgan Whitaker and Bally Mumba. So really, really impressive players for them last season. Now both here on a permanent deal and so therefore they've got a really good squad retention. You don't get 101 points by being a bad footballing side, and I think they can still uh, pull up a few trees here in the championship. Let's start looking a little bit more towards the top of the table now, and we'll talk about 14th through to 10th. They've got Norwich City, Swansea, Birmingham, West Brom and Bristol City. Norwich City in 14th place. I largely agree with them here. What Norwich was a very odd season last year. There was a lot of discourse in and around, not necessarily the ownership, but the strategy that Norwich were starting to take. Um, the fans have been not... <sighs> have been grown accustomed, I would say, to always being in and around the bottom of the Premier League and very top of the Championship. Of course, um, yo-yoing like no other team has been known in the last five to six years, often running away with the title when they're down in the Championship, playing some excellent football under various different managers, including the likes of Daniel Farker and even Dean Smith. Well, Dean Smith wasn't up to their liking, and he was sacked when Norwich was sat in fifth midway through last season and was replaced with former Huddersfield town boss David Wagner. David Wagner's side at Norwich, for me personally, was very much a shell of the Norwich that we all sort of largely expect to exist. So a rather disappointing end of the season. The transfers they've brought in have not necessarily been that great. They can't rely on their talisman that they've had for the best part of the last five to six years in the form of Timu Pukki, who has left the club. So I'm not entirely sure where most of the goals are going to come from. That being said, they have signed Burnley target man, Ashley Barnes, not really a very, um, doesn't necessarily align very strongly with the type of football that you would have expected or Norwich maybe expect of themselves to be playing over the last couple of years, which are quick, fast attacking football. Ashley Barnes doesn't necessarily do that, but Burnley from last year under the Vincent company certainly showed glimpses of that, and he did very well in the campaign. So maybe I'm wrong on this one. Swansea in 13th position and very much a transition year for them. So they have lost their manager in the form of Russell Martin, who played some excellent stuff. Uh, Norwich again, uh, Norwich, sorry, Swansea, very much like Norwich, play some, uh, have very much a clear defined philosophy on how they want to play. That goes back the best part of 2010 under the manager, Bobby Martinez, and then Brendan Rodgers. Um, they play some, some fan, fantastic football when they can do, and it's a really nice thing to be able to replicate. When Russell Martin started to do that, but it was not necessarily quite as consistent as perhaps Swansea City's fans would have liked. Over the course of last season, they were in the relegation zone for large parts of it. They were pushing towards the playoffs for a bit and eventually ended up square slap bang in the middle of, uh, of the table. This is probably going to be the same again now that Russell Martin has departed, but has been replaced with one of my favourite managers in the EFL in the form of Michael Duff, formerly of Barnsley last year, who got through to the playoff final, of course, against Sheffield Wednesday. It'd be interesting to see how this one plans out. Um, There are rumours of their main striker, Joel Perroy, uh, also leaving potentially to Leeds United at the time of this recording. So maybe a slightly difficult season for Swansea, depending on how well they invest the money. A club that uh, probably has been at the wrong end of the table for quite a few years now, for various different reasons, sat in 12th, and that is Birmingham City. They, of course, under a new management of American consortiums, who uh, nicely named their company after, uh, I think it's Shelby Company Limited, which I think is quite good and a nice reference to a very famous programme, of course, we're all aware of in Birmingham in the form of Peaky Blinders. Uh, but one of those are new American owners that we are seeing throughout English football. Um, with that, they are going to start to be able to put a bit more money into the squad and, more importantly, into St Andrews and start to get a little bit more uh, excitement and life back into the, uh, the Second City's uh, main club. So a really exciting position for them to be in. I really like John Eustace, both as a person and as a manager. And I think he it's been great that he's been able to stay on despite uh, all these different things taking place. So we will be exciting to see how Birmingham do this year. Now, not too far away from Birmingham, sit our team in 11th and that's in the form of West Brom and West Brom and over the last couple of uh, months has been a real difficult off the field, uh, namely through their ownership and various different loans owed to themselves and all these different things. I won't go into too much detail. Basically, West Brom off the field is a mess. With their signings, it's been largely difficult, and I think that's been largely linked to the ownership, selling their uh, their main man, Dara O'Shea, uh, up to the Premier League for a fairly decent money. It seems like one of those that had to be made rather than they were lo- ideally looking for it. Um, but they still retain some of their best attacking players in the form of Jed Wallace and John Swift, probably lacking a, a sort of a main striker going into the season. Brandon Thomas Asante wasn't too bad for them when when called upon. Uh, and unfortunately, Daryl D. K. was their other main striker who, again, has picked up another injury because that man doesn't seem to be able to get away from the injury table for all that long. Uh, I do obviously hope that he, that changes for him. With that, under the manager uh, management of Carlos Corberon, who was did instrumental amounts uh, last season, picking them up in the relegation zone and almost getting them in the playoffs by the end of the season, uh, a new season and a full season under his belt could be just what West Brom need, and certainly could do well from a finance point of view. Now, tenth place sit Bristol City. Bristol City are a team that have been sitting in and around mid table of the Championship for arguably far too long. Um there was a growing level of feeling that's a little bit stale through middle part of last season Nigel Pearson looked like his Job was on the line, but turned it around and ended up in a pretty decent mid-table finish once again. And this uh, this season is looking pretty good. Plenty of attackers, and quite a heavy uh, front-heavy lineup for Bristol City, which would be good. And it will be really important for them to keep uh, star young player Alex Scott. Whether he will be there by the uh, end of the window in a month's time, we are yet to see. But at the moment, he is still a Bristol City player. Three teams missing just outside of the playoffs now sit 7th-placed Millwall, 8th-placed Coventry, and 9th-placed Stoke. Now, Stoke are a team that I don't necessarily rate particularly heavily, but they're not to the top 20. You clearly think they're not too bad. They really, really like Alex Neal as a manager, and I'm still umming and ahhing over how I feel about him as a manager. Signings have been pretty okay, a good mid-table season for uh, for Stoke, I think, isn't too unreasonable. They're certainly not going to be at the wrong end of the table. Whether they're going to be quite as close to the playoffs, I'm not too sure. Eighth place sit playoff finalists from last year, Coventry City. The reason we, uh, I completely agree with the predictions here on where Coventry are going to finish is because they have lost their main man in the form of Victor Gercarez, who, of course, has gone to Sporting Lisbon for very, very good money. Mark Robbins and his and the Sky Blues have done some fantastic work over the last six to seven years and are particularly good at problem solving and finding new ways of, get, of slowly building the squad little and often. Which means we might not necessarily see an exciting Coventry team right out of the blocks. We certainly didn't last year. That was mainly, of course, due to stadium issues and then ended up, of course, in the playoff final. So rather exciting there. Again, this prediction, I think, largely hangs on whether they're going to be able to keep Gustavo Hamer, who was a fantastic player for them for large parts of last season. It's still not particularly clear where his football is going to be for next year. Seventh-placed and missing just outside of the playoffs sit Millwall. Now, Millwall have had uh, a pretty good campaign in terms of the transfer window, um, still been able to retain the likes of Zion Fleming, and have now got one of my favourite strikers from Scotland in the form of Kevin Nisbet. So, not too bad from there. I like Wes Harding being signed from Rotherham as well, and a few other players that have really driven what was quite an exciting team for Millwall. What we can't, of course, uh, move past is off the field has been a major blow to the Lions. And that is, of course, the unfortunate and untimely death of their chairman, John Berrelson. He, of course, unfortunately lost his life uh, earlier in June, July uh, through a horrible accident. And our thoughts go out to uh, all that are connected with the club and connected with John. This is bound to have going to have a major impact on all the structure within Millwall Uh, they've got a very calm and very strong and very experienced manager in the form of Gary Rowett who should be able to do some some really great things for them this year but we really do hope that it doesn't affect them for too long into the playoffs now and sixth place they've got Middlesbrough now Middlesbrough have been on from a bookies perspective very highly rated going into the season for those that are, are new to the podcast or those that don't remember, uh, of course, this is a West Country orientated pod um, based in, of course, in Yeovil. Uh, but my in-laws are from Middlesbrough and are major Middlesbrough fans. So I've been able to watch quite a lot of Middlesbrough football uh, this year um, and lots of pre-season. I live in York and they covered a pre-season friendly there. And there's been some really exciting signings in there. I really like the signing of Morgan Rogers, for example, uh, to go up front. Uh, Senni Dieing didn't have as as good of a season as he's perhaps expecting sometimes uh, which is the goalkeeper signed from qpr but did still score an impressive goal uh, from a corner chris Wheelstar, uh, in and about the 90 plus two minutes against sunderland earlier in the season a pretty good uh, keeper there and i think will do much better than what they had on loan last season in the form of zach stefan but what we don't see too much is actually where the goals are going to come from. Morgan Rogers is very much more of a winger rather than a forward. And more importantly, they did have last season's uh, top goal scorer in the form of Chuba Akpom. But he has missed a single, uh, every single pre-season game going into the new campaign. There is claims that, that he is injured, but it does seem an awful coincidence that a 27-year-old, who seems to have had very much a prime year uh, and in such a way that Chuburakwam did, to be injured for such a long period of time, I think he might be out the door. And I think there's a general consensus from Middlesbrough fans that they are as well. With that, though, they've still got a very impressive side. I love their back three of Dara Lenehan, Paddy McNair and Dale Fry. uh, And have also signed uh, a youngster called Seth Vandenberg as well, who's going to be a really good addition for them. Uh, Midfield's looking exciting. We like Matt Crooks. We like Dan Barlasa. He looked really, really good uh, coming in from Rotherham in January. And plenty of other sort of smaller sides. Um, So Alex Gilbert from Brentford B, for example. Uh, An overall not too bad campaign, I think, can be expected from Middlesbrough. Are they going to be pushing for title challenges, as some of the bookies are suggesting? No, I really don't think so. Fifth placed, we have Sunderland. Now, Sunderland, of course, reached the playoffs last year. um, Largely unexpected, with an extremely young side. Um, This has been uh, a team that is nice to say quite clearly upwardly mobile, which after many years of being the complete opposite of that, falling out the Premier League and then of course out the Championship, is a nice change. Uh, under the stewardship of Tony Mowbray, they've harnessed a young side that plays some lovely attacking football and their signings this year have continued to do so. Plenty of youngsters including uh, brother of Jude Belling, Joby Bellingham the younger brother, who also looks really quite exciting. Uh, they've signed him for £3 million from Birmingham City uh, the only signing that they have had that is uh, slightly different or that's not necessarily fit the mould of of a young player is uh, one of Tony Memory's former favourites when he was manager at Blackburn Rovers in the form of Bradley Dack on a sign, uh, on a free transfer so a rather exciting save there and maybe they'll continue on as they are they don't have Amadiallo, Diallo who did wonders for them on loan from Manchester United but they have still kept uh, other major youngster and former York player Jack Clark. Now, the top four. Can you work out who we're missing? Well, we've got the three relegated teams. We've not spoken about any of them. And one club who actually didn't spend their season in the championship either. But coming up from League One. So, in fourth place, not the top 20 have got... Leicester City. Now, I'm a little bit quite surprised by this one, uh, mainly because Leicester City, of course, no less than three years ago, won the FA Cup. So they've had a a horrible last season. That was heavily documented uh, from all Premier League channels. a, A squad that was bloated, a squad that lacked direction, a squad that really lacked excitement. The two players that did bring them excitement have both been sold in the form of James Madison and Harvey Barnes uh, to Tottenham and Newcastle, respectively. That has generated them around £80 million of, 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 uh, of funds, which is really, really important, mainly, of course, to stave off the issues that come out of being relegated from the Premier League. You lose you, you lose about 50% of your revenue almost overnight. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they do. A lot of their signings have been um, elder players at, and on probably quite high wages in the form of Connor Cody and Harry Winks, who both didn't necessarily have particularly great uh, seasons last year. Um, how much they can rely on, on their forwards will be let's say mixed at the moment Jamie Vardy clearly isn't the same player that he was five years ago no one ever is when you're such a striker so reliant on pace um eventually your legs are gonna go so whether he can remold himself and whether he'll be as lethal as he was last time he was in the championship is yet to be seen but I am still pretty excited by the idea of them keeping Patson Daka and Kalechi Iannaccio with that, I think that they actually will do slightly better. I could see them actually pushing for automatic promotion, but I can see that the uh, maybe a little bit of time to mould to a new style of play, as they've got Manjepola Moleska, who is formerly a coach of Pep Guardiola, and um, rumours have it to be uh, Roberto De Zerbi of Brighton's best mate. So we will have to see how things go there. In third place, they have Ipswich Town. Now, I really disagree with where Ipswich is finished here. And um, they have spent a lot of money and played some fantastic football uh, last season, which is which has been brilliant. But uh, the spending they've got and the players they've got, yes, it's going to be a very good Championship season. Do I think they're going to be pushing towards uh, the, the the playoffs? I'm well, yes, maybe towards the playoffs, but certainly not in towards pushing the automatics, as not the top twenty are suggesting. So who does that leave us in the top two? Well, I'm pretty sure you've worked out who they are. I mean, because we've already discussed both of them tonight. In second place, they have Southampton. Now, Southampton by far were the worst team in the Premier League last year. Lacked complete pff, real direction, really. There was major issues when they sacked Ralph Hassenhuttle. Nathan Jones couldn't really get things going. And then Ruben Selles, equally when he was his in interim charge. I think the club even went slightly further backwards. The main problem that Southampton have is not creating enough goals outside of their being captain, of course, James Ward-Prowse. What's been slightly different with Southampton that we've not seen uh, at other clubs that are normally uh, recently relegated from the Premier League is they've actually still, for now, kept a lot of their star players. James Ward-Prowse is still there, T. Livramento, Carl Walker-Peters, Romeo Lavia. Whether that's going to be the case towards the end of the transfer window is yet to be seen, but even if they can keep two of those four of those and still generate in the best part of £100 million in, in transfer fees, which they'll almost certainly do from selling at least two of those four players, Um, Could be a really exciting position for them, how it's reinvested. And they've, of course, not been in the championship since 2012. So it's going to be a really interesting sign there. I agree that I think they're going to be pushing on really well. Two strikers up front that have not necessarily made it the grade at Premier League level, but most certainly have done uh, historically in the championship. uh, They have in the form of Che Adams and Adam Armstrong. So top of the table, not the top 20, are predicting Leeds United. Now, as they were very proud to say, as I was listening to their uh, coverage not that long ago, that they've actually picked four, uh, from four of the last ty- uh, top four. We'll start that again. The last four years, they have been able to accurately predict the title winner, including, of course, Burnley. So um, they've gone with Leeds United. Now, Leeds United have been a bit of an interesting one, mainly because... Their squad and their recruitment over the last couple of years has been pretty shoddy. They've brought in lots of players on it's lack direction, there's not been a lot of there's been a lot of money spent, but not necessarily on players that have really driven the quality the Leeds United would like. You think of someone like Brendan Aronson or Rasmus Christensen or Mark Rocker, for example. Um well, the technical director, the manager, and the ownership have all changed over the course of this summer. And with it, so have some of the transfers. A lot of their uh, sort of bigger names, so people like Aronson and Christensen and Maximilian Vober, have all actually gone out on loan, mainly because they can't really sell them for the fees that they've paid to bring them in, uh, but are trying to recoup some of the losses whilst they can, um, but have signed relatively shrewdly on some interesting signings and still have the retention of what is a quite strong championship squad. I'm thinking of Liam Cooper and, of course, former Glover and general town favourite in the form of Luke Ayling. They've also signed uh, the likes of Ethan Ampadu, and they've still got, at the moment, Willie Nonto, who was a shining light in what was a very naff Leeds United side last year. So, plenty to be excited about at Leeds United, probably, but still plenty of teething troubles as well. I don't think they're going to win the title. I think my money is most likely going to be on Southampton, but uh, a, still a really impressive career uh, campaign for them, and I think the playoffs should be expected at an absolute minimum. Well, I've just spoken for the best part of half an hour all in one go. I hope none of you have fallen asleep and I really appreciate you all listening into this. We are just going to wrap up the championship now uh, with uh, two separate things. Well, we're going to save my voice and so you can listen to someone slightly different now as we're going to do two interviews uh, of, of championship managers and um, two brand new ones who we've, uh, I don't believe, actually ever had on the EFL review. I know one for certain we certainly haven't and the other one uh, less so. And these are the form of um, Sheffield Wednesday's manager, Zisco Munez, who uh, was recording this after one of their last pre-season friendlies, and he's talking about the whole season ahead, um, which will be really, really good for them. And then following that, you we will see a new Swansea City manager. And the reason I'm not sure whether he's been on the EFL Review before is that he's the former Bolton manager in the form of Michael Duff, and seeing how he has reacted to um, the last couple of weeks as the Swansea
1: boss.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's our last game in the Precision, I'm very happy with the guys, I know the result the last minute, we received the goal and doesn't matter, I think uh, we need to continue working like what we want today, I feel the team was more what, uh, exactly what I want, also also I'm happy because it's, uh, we receive three players more, we are close to the sign, something more, and uh, well, now I think it's coming the, the best part in uh, for the start of the championship. Now it's important the result, now it's important the three points, now it's important to uh, save some situation in the game. But uh, now was our best precision, but uh, we are more close. What do I want?
1: Luton, good opposition for. What you're expecting?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, everybody knows about Luton. It's a tough team. They have uh, very dangerous players in the last part. Uh, they have two chance. they score two goals, two mistakes, and uh, they have the capacity for immediately for a score. Uh, this is one team of the Premier League, and the Premier League, when you have these the things. When you look back
3: on pre season as a whole, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, it's. Uh, about the precision, it's uh, what the precision what we 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 meet. It's uh, for us only. I can say for the players, they try to reduce the process. I try to give uh, good things. The players I saw today in um, some situation, in some moments, the games. What we want, we need to uh, stay more constant with the situations. But uh, the most important is uh, now start what is the important for us. We have an important game in Friday. The players, they give uh, 100 today. They only can play 80 minutes, 75 minutes. Today, we give the 75 minutes for the players because also we start two weeks before, two weeks before, two weeks after. After everybody, and uh, we need to hit these times. I'm I'm happy. Nice little taste
4: of the atmosphere. At Hilton.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I told you always, it's uh, massive fans. Always, they give everything for us. I know they want to the start. Maybe uh, more faster the process, but this is the idea. And uh, sure, we have a very good atmosphere also against against Southampton. And sure, we we enjoy in our first game.
5: So, Michael, a really positive way to end preseason. How pleased are you with that performance overall?
2: Yeah,
1: I was I was pleased with the performance. Obviously, the the scoreline. Um, we asked for a a non season performance if we could. We wanted it to be a dress rehearsal for how we want it to try and look. And I thought it looked like a bit more how we want it to look in terms of some good football. But there was mixed it up. There was some penetrating football as well. Some good goals within it as well. Uh, uh, another clean sheet, so that's a bonus. Um, and I thought there were moments where we looked we looked, we looked a good team. The key is not to be getting too carried away with it, the same as what the last two performances. But there's been a lot of work, a lot of information given to the players in the last two weeks. It's it's going to take time. It's impossible. If it was that easy, everyone would just do it. That's why you need a pre-season. It takes time. Players need to adjust and learn. Um, another positive was obviously seeing Joe Josh Ginelli back on the pitch for 20 minutes. So um, yeah, it was it, it was a good day, and hopefully. The first minute.
5: It was a particularly relentless start to the second half. How much have you kind of talked about playing like that? Well, that's what
1: we want to play up tempo in your face football. So that doesn't always have to be without the ball, that can be with the ball. So I thought in the first 10 minutes it took us an age to get the ball back in play all the time. You know, it was slow and ponderous and we never got out. Once we, you know, with the multi ball system now, can we challenge them? Can we get the ball in play within four or five seconds and, and, and get playing? and don't let them set up? So that was that was the main message at half time. Keep doing We thought. Towards the end of the first half, we started hurting them in, in in dangerous areas of the pitch, not just passing it around the back. It was incisive uh, football. So yeah, that was, that was the main message at half halftime. So
5: it's always nice to score four goals, of course, but there was some real quality movement and, and finishing in
1: there. Yeah, well, well, Joe's Joe's Joel is um, you know he's really, really good finish for the first one. Really pleased that the uh, you know that we score a goal. It looks like an open goal, but there's, it comes from a good press. We score from a, from their throw in in the corner here. So we Tuesday night we concede from a throw in in exactly the same position at Bristol Rovers, different personnel. But the, um, you know, the, the message is the same. It's that like we've got them locked in in a corner. Don't let them out. So that was a positive from Tuesday
5: to today. Um, one of the other positives that you mentioned was Joe Allen and Josh Janelli getting minutes. Josh is the first minutes he's had for Swansea. How, you know, that's a, another positive, isn't
1: it? Yeah, just pleased to see him. You know, it's obviously uh, Gino's going to take a bit of time. He's not had much of a pre season. Joe's missed a lot of it. Obviously, the Swansea fans know all about Joe. Don't need to introduce him too much. But you know, even silly little things, I was really pleased with the booking that Joe took at the end. Falling up in a pre season friendly or not, You know, get into, get into horrible habits. If you've got to take one for the team, you've got to take one for the team. And he showed his experience, but that's, that's what we want. I don't want us to be a nice team.
5: And it's another clean sheet as well. And I know they don't necessarily matter in pre season, but it's nice to kind of get into those habits.
1: Yeah, I was pleased with the last five minutes and the defending. Some of the blocks that were made, some of the headers. You look at the two centre forwards, Andy Carroll and the other lad. I don't know who it is. Uh, you know, both six foot five, and they competed um, and did the work that they, they were that was asked of them. So, um, yeah, it's they're, they're good habits, but it's it's just relentlessly trying to drive home the message of we need more clean sheets. We need more clean sheets. Added to the good the good football.
5: And how do you assess pre season as a whole?
1: Well, we've come through it. There's only a couple of injuries, so that's that's a positive. We want them fresh and fit. So, for me personally, I'd like another eight weeks to work on stuff so they're 100% ready. There won't be, because you're introducing a lot of new bits of information, but now we'll be as ready as we can. Obviously, we're looking to bring in a a few more players uh, to supplement what we've already got.
5: And we start the uh, season properly next week with uh, the home fixture against Birmingham City. How much are you looking forward to that?
1: Yeah, really pleased to get out. Um, you know i know i'd like a, another eight weeks like i said but it's once the real stuff starts you know the supporters it's they'll, they'll everyone's got hope at the, start of the, at the start of the season you know they have, every football club in the league wants to wants to get promoted that's the challenge we're no different to anybody else so it's uh, we'll see what we're at after 10 games and we'll realign it
0: I really do hope you're as excited for the championship season as I am. So going into the opening weekend, we've got, of course, all 12 fixtures to cover. And we start uh, the whole season kicks off on Friday, the 4th of August, when Sheffield Wednesday take on Southampton. On Saturday, we will see uh, all three o'clock kickoffs, all eight of them. Blackburn Rovers versus West Brom, Bristol City versus Preston, Middlesbrough versus Millwall, Norwich taking on Hull. Plymouth Argyle taking on former Plymouth Argyle manager Neil Warnock and his Huddersfield Town Stoke City taking on Rotherham, Swansea are going to one of their shorter trips of the season to Birmingham, Watford have Queen's uh, Queens Park Rangers apologies and then the three games on Sunday. Leicester are playing in the lunchtime game against Coventry. 2.30 we see Leeds United taking on Cardiff and finally on the Sunday Sunderland taking on Ipswich.
4: When I first started my business I was hopeless of paperwork. My system
0: involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses
4: of all sizes and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with
0: your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit ChalmersAccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation.
4: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935
0: 479913. Right then, let's look ahead to League One. And I think this season is actually a really interesting season for League One, as I would probably describe it overall as being ripe for the taking. And the reason I'd say that is a lot of the big spenders or the maybe previously seen as incredibly illustrious clubs that have been falling into League One over the last couple of years, the vast majority of them have now gone back up again. I'm looking at the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich and Sunderland mainly as those that I'm standing out there And what we've actually had coming down, as opposed to uh, the usual, say, let's say someone like Rotherham, who usually come into League One and completely dominate and jump straight back up to the Championship again, we don't have that this year. We've got three... Clubs who are in various levels of difficulty. Of course, all of them were in some form of sporting difficulty, otherwise they wouldn't have been relegated. But, of course, our off-the-field issues are continuing to plague many of them. These three that are down, of course, are Reading, Blackpool and Wigan Athletic. Uh, Wigan Athletic are starting this season off with an eight-point deduction, uh, so starting on minus eight, sorry, because of off-the-field issues which have now mainly been resolved, but those points are firmly entrenched now. And Reading is still in a constant difficulty, albeit uh, there was a pro uh, statement that went out recently that's basically going they are looking for additional investment, and a lot of the original fears around whether the new signings that Reading have brought in are actually allowed to be registered look like that has been largely solved going into the start of the season, which of course is incredibly important blackpool of course also in there but slightly uh, for once after many difficult years under the Orsons that blackpool faced a season where they can really just focus on the sport anyway let's take a look at where not the top 20 have predicted the uh, what they've predicted the league one table to look like so the bottom four the four potentially relegated will will be relegated teams in league one they've got reading bottom I think that's largely down to financial issues if um, the it's obviously going to be expected of course if those players can't be registered and the problems regarding um, HMRC and winding up orders all these different things continue to press on that is going to absolutely negatively affect them they have got Ruben Seles in in manager who was interim from Southampton who was very very high pressing obviously in the Premier League last year albeit largely unproven outside of that um, but as a very, very good coaching pedigree, so a pretty good signing for now. However, if he doesn't feel like he's being supported because of all the off-field issues, who's to say how long he's going to be in charge of Reading? Three teams that have had relatively underwhelming summers, I would think, I would say, are Cambridge United, Exeter City and Cheltenham Town. Cheltenham uh, have lost their main talisman in the form of Alfie May to Cheltenham Athletic, who, of course, got a lot of their goals last year. Uh, Cheltenham aren't a side that can really generate the huge level of excitement that other clubs do in League One, but they're a very strong and stable side who have done some really impressive work over the last couple of years, particularly when they were manager uh, under the management of uh, Michael Duff and then Wade Elliott has equally done some pretty impressive things for the Robins. Exeter City, unfortunately, have lost a lot of key players. Uh, Key being the optimum word there, with Josh Key having left to go to Swansea, subject to his quality. Archie Collins has also moved on to go to Peterborough United. Um, They, in theory, have got some money to be able to be spent. Of course, receiving a pretty decent selling-on fee, or at least we believe so, for Ethan Ampadu moving on a permanent from Chelsea, um, going to Leeds United. Uh, which of course Exeter uh, were where Eve Ampadu started so hopefully they'll have received a pretty good uh, fee for him where where that money will go Exeter are not a club that will spend it rashly overall you know they're fan owned there's so many fantastic things to to talk about to talk about Exeter uh, I'm still very much unsure about the the credentials of Gary Caldwell and I think not the top 20 were saying very similar things so maybe a season of difficulty for Exeter Cambridge United had five probably standout players last season in what was a pretty difficult campaign, of course, only survived on the final day. Um, and all five, unfortunately, have lost, uh, left, including the likes of Sam Smith, Harvey Nibbs and Dimitar Mitov. So and a difficult year for Cambridge. Just outside of the bottom four, we'll go up with slightly more speed, Fleetwood Town in 20th. Fleetwood Town are a team that are heavily bankrolled, or formerly heavily bankrolled, by one man in the form of Andy Pilly, who of course got them out of non-league into where they find themselves today with a pretty good sporting squad. However, they make huge losses every single year, subject to effectively bankrolling a club with, let's say, not the historical fan base that traditionally you would see in a League One side. And therefore, there isn't many places that they can earn revenue that doesn't come from ownership. That is made significantly harder when, you're, when your owner is jailed for 13 years for fraud, as we've seen at Fleetwood. Could be a rather difficult one for them. Um, Two promoted sides in 18th and 19th in the form of Stevenage and Carlisle. Both signed well. Both have got fantastic managers for different reasons. Uh, Steve Evans at Stevenage is hilarious. And Paul Simpson has done absolutely wonders at Carlisle over the course of the last 20 years in two different spells. And played some really nice football as well. And have kept a lot of their important players. uh, Namely Thomas Holy in goal. Owen Moxon in midfield. And uh, my personal favourite, former Glover Paul Huntingdon. 17th we've got Shrewsbury Town they've left a lot of things off the field Um, they've basically said that they have got massively had to cut their budget and with it Steve Cottrell has left who was a very all-consuming manager at Shrewsbury and plenty of various changes off the field for them maybe a season of of transition but not necessarily one where they're going to be too fearful their main player arguably last season was Luke Leahy he's not at the club either so could spell further issues. The other two teams promoted up from League Two last season sit in 15th and 16th in the form of Leighton Orient and Northampton. Both have signed well and both are having some excellent managers in the form of Richie Wellens and John Brady, so pretty good campaigns for both of them if they end up in mid-table. Now, despite starting on minus eight points, in 14th we have Wigan Athletic as they have properly signed particularly well. The off the field issues for now seem largely sorted uh, as they have been bought out by Wigan Warriors, who is the rugby league team in the cities, uh, in the town, sorry. There, um, he's bought Wigan Athletic as well to reunify the two teams that play at the DW. Uh, so, a really exciting set for them, some good signings. And probably enough to just be happy with mid-table, given where they're going to start the season. I think they'll take that pretty nicely. Thirteenth Burton Albion at twelfth Barnsley. Despite reaching the playoff final last season, the difficulty they have is that some of their best players were knees, and their manager has moved to Swansea. So some um, a lot of season of. Maybe a potential difficulty for Barnsley. Uh, They've brought in a manager in the form of Gary Collins, who was formerly or most recently at the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the um, uh, the US effectively second division but he's an Englishman and made plenty of appearances up and down the EFL that may help him and he's very data orientated as well and for someone who likes and works in sports data I quite like the like of this signing. What I'm not too sure about is the fact that three of their most marquee signings have all been from the National League. Two from Woking, one being Casper Pater who was formerly of Sheffield United and of the Opel Town's youth system and uh, their other one being Andy Dallas who did pretty well for Solihull last year. Whether he's done enough? to have warranted a league one transfer is yet to be seen 11th place they've got Port Vale I'm not too sure about this one that that was mainly focused on it's a bit of continuity and they've signed some pretty good players I'm not too sure I think I think we're going to see them slightly towards the bottom end of the table not in the relegation zone per se but probably back where we found them last year in around 15th and 16th place Tenth place, we've got Wickham Wanderers. Wickham Wanderers' first season, uh, first pre-season played under Wickham in over ten years that has not been overseen by Gareth Ainsworth, but has been replaced by Matt Bloomfield. Matt Bloomfield uh, was at Wickham for many, many, many years and uh, left to do a bit of coaching at other clubs. Um, uh, He was at Colchester United for a bit and is now back at Wickham. So maybe a bit of a Gareth Ainsworth-inspired side at Wickham as we will continue to see, but probably with one of the strongest squads they've got. They have lost Lewis Wing, who did some fantastic stuff for them in midfield last year, but they've brought in Shrewsbury's main man in the form of Luke Leahy, an exciting team that I wouldn't be too surprised if we don't see a late playoff push from. Ninth place, we have Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln side under a new exciting coach, Uh, a young coach that was seen last year, so rather excited for that. Um, Not too bad for them, a fantastically well-run side off the field, which is not something we can say every day in uh, EFL football, so hopefully a pretty strong and consistent and stable growth for Lincoln, and maybe a playoff push at a putt. Eighth place, Bristol Rovers. Now, we are going to see a very attacking Bristol Rovers, as we have done in previous years, mainly because Joey Barton likes to sign attackers. For all of his many flaws, he is very good at being an attacking manager. They've managed to retain League One player of the season, Aaron Collins, who got, goodness me, loads of goals and loads of assists for them last year. So a really exciting set of events for them. Uh, Brought in Giovanni Brown and... uh, um, What's his name? James Wilson, who, of course, won the league with Plymouth last year. Uh, Scott Sinclair looked better as the season went on as well. So I think a pretty exciting campaign for Bristol Rovers. Seventh place, just missing out on the playoffs, are Peterborough United. Now, Peterborough United will still be recovering from what was a should we say chaotic, playoff campaign uh, last year. Of course, missing out in that bonkers 5-4 aggregate uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, which has been so much there. David, uh, Darren Ferguson is at Peterborough in charge for what feels like his 1,000th spell as manager. There's plenty of exciting signings um, in the form of Jake Taylor and uh, Archie Collins, so some particularly really good ones there. But still some uh, big black cloud holding over potential finances with the issues regarding the stadium. Uh, the, the holding company that owned the, the stadium at uh, well, Peterborough United Stadium is not owned by Peterborough United. And that company has recently gone into receivership. So there's massive uh, question marks over what happens to the posh moving forward. So that puts us on to the playoffs. And in sixth place, we've got Portsmouth. Portsmouth could be genuinely challenging back towards the right end of the table again. So many seasons over the last sort of three or four years and Portsmouth have gone in the right direction, gone into the playoffs just about or missing just outside and often really annoying the fan base. Twelve different transfers have been made by John Massinho and his men, so an interesting and certainly a different looking Portsmouth squad from what we've seen in the last few years. Fifth place, we have Charlton Athletic. Charlton Athletic, of course, under new ownership. Uh, um, those that watch Sunderland Till I Die will be aware of the connections to a certain Charlie Methven. But overall, Charlton are looking like an exciting club on the up, if the manager is, of course, able to get everything out of them, particularly impressed with the signings of Harry Eisted in goal, who was very, very good for, um, for Barnsley in the playoffs, and Alfie May, Cheltenham's leading goalscorer. Fourth place, we have the final team that was relegated from the championship, and that is Blackpool. Blackpool now back under the stewardship once again of a certain Neil Critchley, who left somewhat under a dark cloud when he was last in charge of Blackpool, leaving to uh, to become a coach at Aston Villa, along with Steven Gerrard, claiming that it was a better opportunity than being at Blackpool. Well, 18 months has passed since then, and he's back, and was playing some really lovely stuff last time they were in League One with the Tangerines. So hopefully this will be a more positive uh, set of fixtures for Blackpool than what they've seen in the last 12 months. In third place, they have Oxford United. Now, Oxford United under the helm of Liam Manning, who overall has been a pretty decent manager, was excellent and took McDon's all the way up to third two seasons ago. And then last year had an absolute dismal campaign and was sacked halfway through the year. What I particularly like is the signing of Ruben Rodriguez, who was absolutely instrumental in the success that Notts County saw over the course of the National League campaign last year, and probably the single reason why Macaulay Langstaff scored as many goals for the Magpies. Overall, some decent signings there, and a team that is relatively stable in what is an ever-chaotic part of the world that is the EFL. But I would agree wholeheartedly with the two promotion contenders that the uh, not the top 20 have highlighted, and that is second place Derby County and first place Bolton Wanderers. We'll start with Derby. Obviously, friend of Three Valleys Radio Paul Warne, former Yeovil midfielder has done some instrumental jobs when he's been uh, managing in Rotherham and was very very good with Derby they won't quite know how on earth they didn't make the playoffs last year, uh, missing out on the final day on I believe goal difference or at least a single point playing some really decent stuff but very much trailed off towards the tail end of the campaign, they'll be very keen to make sure that they don't do that again and I've loved some of their signings most notably I think, so there'll be lots of conversations about keeping the likes of Max Bird in midfield and uh, James Collins up front. But for me, the number one thing that they've got now is actually two very, very exciting fullbacks. Three of them, if you include Callum Elder, who signed from Hull City at left back, who's been very, very accomplished at the championship and League One level for a fair few years now. And on the right, Kane Smith, who was formerly of Bristol City, but was particularly excellent when at Bristol, uh, Forest Green Rovers two years ago. And my personal favourite and probably one of the most underappreciated League One players from last year, in my opinion, in the form of Joel Ward, the attacking fullback from Peterborough. Some really exciting signings, and hopefully if they all gel together, I think Derby will be seeing championship football for the 24-25 campaign. But that leaves the title winners of Bolton Wanderers. Bolton Wanderers have been a team very much on an upward trajectory over the last couple of years. Consistent uh, pushing on of their quality. Ian ever has proven to be an excellent manager. The uh, the ownership have continued to not necessarily put in huge levels of investment, have brought in an appropriate level of spending on some excellent players. Questions will be asked about their two leading players from last year who were both on loan in the form of Connor Bradley and... James Trafford, of course, both of them have been uh, have moved on. Conor Bradley's still at Liverpool. James Trafford actually going for £18 million to go and be the goalkeeper for Burnley next year. Overall, an exciting club that are playing some really nice football and have kept a lot of their key players. Dion Charles still proving to be rather successful. So overall, I would say a fairly accurate portrayal of League One between myself and not the top 20. Just the one interview for you now, and we're taking this from Derby County's most uh, latest uh, pre-season friendly, of which they finished a 3-1 defeat to Premier League side Sheffield United. The reason we're covering this is because, of course, we've got friend of the radio station Paul Warren on, who is still, of course, Derby County manager. And more importantly, he nicely wraps up Derby's pre-season as a whole. Paul, I would imagine, apart from 60 seconds or so, you were pretty pleased with that?
4: Yeah, really pleased with that. I, you know, There's always things that um, I like to improve on, so to speak. A little bit of courage, but I thought um, overall as a workout, it was great. Got through pre-season with the majority of the players fit and ready and knowing what we want um, against, obviously, a, a top champ team now in the Premier League. So we knew it was going to be difficult. And you could see sometimes when like a Sanderberg runs with it, it's like a freak, isn't he? Like lads are all running like arms and legs and can't catch up with him. So in that respect, but I thought the lads stuck to it really well. And um, second half, we were bright. And I just said to him after the game that I was really pleased with him, and I was. Um, But I just like him when they play a bit more on the edge. So, you know, if we switch the ball, can we switch it in less than two or one pass as opposed to three slower ones? I just think we need to um, play a bit more risk-free, really. That's how I like it. And in fairness, I just said to him in there that, You know, I know last week it was Fozzie's big day out, today it was Waggy's. obviously. It felt like it was his uh, day out. But um, I thought that, like you know, like Kane comes on and he's running past people, taking risks. The goal that Corey got was an unbelievable goal and I thought Corey was one of the standout players today. Great ball in from that. And there's obviously errors in our game. I'm not saying, but you're never going to be error-free. But against the opposition, as it was, I was really pleased with how the lads, you know, went about their business. I know it's pre-season. There was real joy from Corey Smith when he scored yeah well in fairness I've, you know I've had a few conversations with Corey and you know, he'd done a great job for me last year at right back obviously but um, I just think he's got goals in him and we keep saying about he's making his sons proud because he, he's, if, he's, if he doesn't score or set up a goal his sons think he's had a stinker so I just want him to go home and feel good about himself so it's a good run you know like them runs if it doesn't get crossed to him he then has to run all the way back to our own box and so, it takes a real effort and desire. And like I said, I thought Corey was uh, very good today.
0: I Minutes mean, for Connor Washington, who I think, showed why you brought him here in, in it's the time funny, that he had. When I
4: put him on, I was going to take him straight off again because he went dump, 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 ran to the bottom corner. And unfortunately for him, he was chasing another top species. Uh, and like, you know, Connor's only trained a week, so we know he's a long way off. That's not even like the lads when they played against uh, Matlock had more training than, him, than he has. So, he's a little bit off, but I thought he was good. I thought, you know, Waggy was bright, Kane was. Foz came on at left wing back. Uh, he's buzzing because he's, he's devastated. He thinks I might play him there. But I thought he was really good and, you know, a natural swing on the ball. There were certain things, you know, our set pieces were poor. Uh, Nels had the best chance, but our actual game craft weren't bad. It was just the fact that if you play with a three, yeah, the two wide ones, three centre-halves, the two wide ones have to be brave. So I didn't think they were first half in the first half an hour. Um, and theirs were, and then once we got into it a bit more, and Nels was a lot braver, Cash was a lot braver, you're making their forwards make runs back they don't want to do, and we had a bit more of the play in the same second half. Like, we we're screaming at our wide centre halves to bomb on and be brave, and, and they were good. So, all in all, you know, scoreline aside, it's been a really good work out the end of a really good pre season, and you know, we've still um, got a couple or three to bring in, and then um, we should be in a place to you know, have a right go. Yeah,
1: it
0: really starts to matter next weekend. Are you, are you satisfied with the work that's gone in so far?
4: Yeah. You're, not, you're never satisfied, I mean. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, to be nice, but no, not really. Yeah, I am, I am, I am. That's not true. I just think we just need, uh, you know, a little bit more in the team. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it was evident today if a, you know, a birdie or a Connor came off, you might be a little bit light in the middle of the pitch, which always seems, uh, you always, manage the team in like best case and worst case scenario so like today when I drive home I'll be thinking about maybe we do need another midfielder that's a a problem but generally speaking sorry uh, pre-season's gone really well the lads are revved up to go and uh, I'll enjoy the next six days of uh, normality before the pain starts so uh, can't wait to start
0: the season Just to confirm the fixtures going into the first weekend of League One, then so all of them on the Saturday, the fifth of August at three o'clock. Barnsley taking on Port Vale. Blackpool have Burton Albion. Bolton Wanderers versus Lincoln City. Cambridge United versus Oxford United in the University Derby. Carlisle United versus Fleetwood. Charlton versus Leighton Orient. Derby versus Wigan. Northampton versus Stevenage. Portsmouth versus Bristol Rovers. Reading taking on Peterborough United. Shrewsbury, I've got Cheltenham Town. And finally, Wickham Wanderers have got Exeter City. So, what does that leave us? Well, none other than League Two. And of course, League Two is probably going to receive the... The greatest level of international um, expertise and international coverage I think the league will probably ever see. And that is, of course, due to one team and one team in particular. Of course, Wrexham and uh, Notts County being promoted up to the National League, replacing Rochdale and Hartlepool United this season. Which is going to be a really, really exciting test. There's a pretty strong correlation over the last couple of years between those that have performed particularly well out of the National League have actually ended up doing very, very well in League 2 the following year. Uh, Stockport County really spring to mind, but even the likes of Barrow and Sutton and Harrogate, even when they had lower budgets than perhaps we expect from Notts County and, uh, and Wrexham, they still did very well in their first campaign in the Football League. So, just as we've done with the others, we'll quickly rattle through where we think that everyone in League 2 will finish this year. So, the bottom two, probably being taken up by two teams that are more dominated by off-the-field issues than on-the-field issues, which is massively impacting the playing budget. That is for Crawley Town and for Morecambe, both of them having real issues there. Crawley looking very all at sea, plenty of issues uh, regarding the ownership and the... Sometimes lack of spending, loss of what few really good players they had, have all departed in the summer, including the likes of Ashley Natterson. And Morecambe, of course, have come straight back down from League One, um, but with a significantly limited budget. Huge issues off the field with potential ownership problems. And those that are still in charge may not still be willing to put the money in uh, that is needed to fight a League Two campaign. A difficult one for both of them, I'd think. Morecambe might do just enough to survive, but I can, uh, It's unsurprising that not the top 20 and the bookies have Crawley favourites to go down. I think the team that I would probably uh, put most likely in the relegation zone out of the remaining ones uh, is, is actually what not the top 20 you've got in 22nd, and that's Newport County. Now it could be heavily. Uh, dictated by what you uh, from the preseason friendly against the Oval, which, of course, they lost 2-0 to a team two leagues below them. But it's so many things off the back. Again, a limited budget has already been announced, which is a real shame for a club that is fan owned. You want to be supporting those types of clubs. But that will have massive problems. They haven't signed particularly well at being at the wrong end of League Two. You need a solid defence as the best you can. But all three of the starting back three that Graham Coughlin used last year have all departed South Wales. A really difficult one for Newport. Uh, filling up from the bottom there, 21st they have Crew Alexander, 20th Tranmere Rovers, Harrogate Town in 19th which is um, I think a pretty decent uh, position to find Harrogate. I think everyone else below that would be considered rather disappointed to be in those positions but Harrogate again given budget, 19th place and scaring clear of relegation once more is actually would be a really strong uh, performance for Simon Weaver's side. Other teams coming uh, in the bottom half of the table, they have AFC Wimbledon and Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley uh, really struggling, having been relegated last year. Not many, too many standout players at uh, Swindon Town in 16th and Sutton United in 15th Swindon uh, have seen a great deal of change over the last 12 months going from a very trying to go from a very data orientated approach to very much doing the complete opposite very difficult to do that when you're still trying to feed the likes of Charlie Austin some decent players there but we'll see how they go i think it'll be a rather underwhelming campaign for swindon sutton again very similar to harrogate given budget and how they play will be pretty pleased with 15th 14th, we've got another relegated side in the form of Forest Green Rovers. Plenty of difficulties and definitely a season of transition we will see in League 2 for uh, the greenest team in all of football. Uh, Some decent signings, I really like Ryan Ennis being signed from Charlton, but have had many things to do with management. I'm impressed or excited by having Matt Horseman as their new manager, who is the uh, former manager of uh, Southampton B, so has got a fantastic youth development pedigree, something that Forest Green could most certainly use, which is really, really good. And so definitely a uh, um, uh, rather a stable but decent position, ready to try and challenge again probably a year on from now. I can go with seeing Forest Green in mid-table, but I think maybe slightly higher than 14th, probably something around 10th. Colchester United in 13th. Colchester have spent well this season and have still got lots of their very, very good youngsters that they use, notably uh, players like Junior Tishmardu. So a, season, a new season uh, under Ben Garner, full season of course. Perhaps we will actually see Colchester fighting at the right end of the table, which is something we've not necessarily seen in the last couple of years, often fighting at the wrong end towards the relegation zone. Two teams now that really you could probably put absolutely anywhere in the table. I think two are the most hardest to predict in all of League Two, and that is Walsall and Barrow. Both teams capable of playing very well, but both of them very, very capable of being extremely inconsistent. Uh, Walsall have got a limited budget this year. Barrow have always had a limited budget, but both of them are capable of getting decent signings along the line. And I really like Pete Wild as manager for Barrow. Grimsby Town in 10th. Grimsby uh, coming off a major high last season, finishing in a really decent position in their first season back in the uh, Football League after one year away in the National League. And of course, making that very famous FA Cup run to taking on Brighton in the quarterfinals. So a really exciting season last year hopefully they're able to invest that they've got a fantastic ownership structure currently in place at grimsby and really really exciting moving forward personal favorite and one of the signings that i think will get a lot of attention and should get a lot of attention is actually signing toby malarkey from rochdale who uh, is was just a center back and i was really really impressed with him every time that i watched him last season in what was a fairly disappointing rochdale side ninth place is Doncaster Rovers probably very similar to Warsaw and Barrow, where they could be in any number of positions. They always seem to be spending a right amount of money, and but always on very very poor recruits. Maybe this year is slightly different. I like having that they've got Richard Hall in, who is formerly of Rotherham United. Immediately made him captain. A good level of experience at uh, George Miller and jo, uh, Ironside could be a really potent top two. And Grant McCann was very decent in a, in a start of a Hull City campaign in the. Champions championship last year and was probably unfairly dismissed. We'll be hoping to uh, rebuild his managerial credentials in n- North Yorkshire. Eighth place, we've got MK Dons. Now, I think that they probably are going to push for the playoffs. They've still got a very, very strong side and it was really an unexpected relegation given how well they had done the previous year in League One, finishing third in the 2021 campaign. I'm sorry, not 2021, 21, 22. There we are. We're all going to move along one more year. It's going to take some while to get used to that. What they have got is not necessarily a free flowing attacking manager, which MK Dons have sort of grown accustomed to, particularly when they were under boss Liam Manning. But what they have got is uh, a EFL stalwart in the form of Graham Alexander, potentially a really, really good signing. There, it'll probably take time to, to really bed into his level of formation. They are very an aggressive, but tat hard tackling side, more than being more of a technical one. But we will see. So into the playoffs. Seventh place, we have Bradford City. You've got to think about the budget available to Bradford and the huge history and the huge fan base behind it. It's always very difficult to imagine a world where Bradford City aren't pushing for the playoffs each year. Of course, did fairly well last year, only losing in the playoffs semi-finals in extra time to Carlisle United. And I really like two of their most notable signings in the form of Alex Patterson, who of course was a former Glover, but was particularly excellent since his move to Harrogate Town two years ago. And Tyler Smith, who has always been quite exciting when he's been in the youth ranks and played at Sheffield United and played in the lower leagues of football, uh, in but has had poorer spells whilst on loan at League One Oxford United last year. So we will see how that goes, but I'm pretty excited by both of them. Another big spender for this one, we've got sixth place, Gillingham. Huge spending since January of last year when they took had a new ownership, an American ownership, who were more than happy to fit large bills to really get them away from where they were when they found them. Rock bottom of League Two at Christmas. Since then, they actually scored the second most amount of points finishing the end of last season. A really cool stat finished only behind Leighton Orient. So a really impressive performance there, and I think they're going to continue to kick on. Some people like Timothy Dieng and Ollie Hawkins are absolutely fantastic for this level, not to mention uh, former Welsh international Johnny Williams. Fifth place that not the top 20 have probably goes drastically against the bookies' favourites, and they have Wrexham. Of course, Wrexham have been very famously playing a very, very strong side at the moment. Um, their signings that they made in the National League were arguably bottom-end League One. Ewan and Connell really springs to mind, or Andy Cannon. But actually, probably overall, they've got a really, really highly decent League two squad. I actually have them down probably for finishing around third place. But I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't quite get it across the line and ended up just in the playoff spots. Still a very impressive position, but not enough, of course, to meet the demands that Hollywood may command. In fourth place is a side that has always looked relatively exciting every single year, and uh, regular listeners of Not the Top 20 and myself will be well aware that Mansfield are always often tipped to do quite well and are often let down by general levels of inconsistency but spending has continued at Mansfield have got a really good squad there and of course a very well experienced manager in the form of Nigel Clough. I think they'll do quite well this year I don't think they'll necessarily finish quite as high as fourth I could probably see them pushing towards maybe seventh or eighth and not maybe not quite making the playoffs again this year but a decent and well-run side potentially to be uh, plenty to be excited about if you're a Stags fan. Now, the top three automatic promotion. They have in third place, Salford City. Now, Salford City quietly go under the radar every single year for reasons that aren't particularly clear about how much they're spending probably because um, it's been so heavily dominated by spending of Stockport or of Wrexham in recent years talking about lower league football so they've not really necessarily got the same level of uh, publicity that they once had but they've continued to spend well they've still got uh, amazing midfield um, to really push on a decent attacking uh, stretches albeit they've lost Louis Barry to his loan he's immediately gone on to another team who will bring up in a minute. But overall a really well-rounded side and they'll continue to fit the bill in a really well positioned side. So we will see how they go but they've got them in automatic promotion. I'm still not too sure. It's not that I'm writing them off. I think a very similar um, maybe where they finished around around February time last year when they were really pushing in the playoffs and sat quite comfortably in fifth may well be exactly what Salford looked for. Of course did make the playoffs last year and losing to Stockport County eventually but I I think a really impressive, uh, could be a decent outfit for Salford and of course another full season in charge for Neil Wood. Now, in second place, despite necessarily saying that they thought it'd be unlikely to see automatic promotion out of the National League immediately uh, rewarded by getting automatic promotion out of League Two, not the top 20 have Notts County. Now, Notts County have signed fantastically this year, uh, notably one player in particular, and that is a form of David McGoldrick. Now, three years ago, this man was the top goal scorer in the Premier League for Sheffield United, albeit an underwhelming Sheffield United side. But the fall uh, that he has taken or the, the, the career path he's chosen since then has been different. He's a local man to Nottingham and and, and, and I believe started his career at the club so has felt like he's returned. Uh, the, the 34-year-old had a very impressive season, of course, one year uh, ago at Derby County. I don't know whether he was quite top scorer for the Rams but he was certainly close and looked very, very decent, of course, in pool one side. For him to then be dropping down into League 2 and uh, judging by pre-seasonal clips that I've seen online, he is looking Really sharp, so he will actually massively drag along uh, what uh, and replace the void that will be left by Ruben Rodriguez, who, of course, has gone up to Oxford United in League One uh, this year. So, really exciting for him. And, of course, they'll hope that they can still rely on the goals of the likes of Jody Jones and, of course, Macaulay Longstaff. And finally, Top of the table, we have Stockport County. Now, Stockport County were accurately predicted to do very well in their first season back in League 2 by a certain Three Valleys-based football podcast. But I think they will go one step further this year. They have continued to strengthen, bringing the likes of Louis Barry in, who is very very good for this level on loan from Aston Villa they've still got plenty of really really strong sides uh, p- players that we can rely on of course Paddy Madden that uh, many of us from a Glover's perspective will be well aware of miles Hippolyte Anthony Sasavic and um, to name but a few I think it'll be a really exciting campaign there Dave Challoner has a fantastic record of winning uh, wherever he's been including but not limited to the likes of AFC filed and Colwyn Bay to name but a few so I think think a really exciting position to find them going into this new season. So that brings us to I think the full League 2 one and I think there's going to be definitely more emphasis put on League 2 this year as we've already mentioned just because of some of the names that might be attached to it I think those that are uh, maybe a, an Accrington or a Sutton or a Morecambe will be absolutely delighted at the arrival of a Wrexham as it might finally put their clubs on a bit more of a world stage just for a little bit and that's never necessarily a bad, we of course those of us that listen to the EFL and watch the EFL will be uh, always very proud of what we've created and, and something that uh, should be worth celebrating, and it'll be nice that this is potentially one way of putting it on a global stage. So, we've got one more interview for us tonight, and it's on a club that we've already discussed in relative length, and that is at Salford City. Now, they've come off a fairly decent pre season, and they're going to be doing a full review, and that's under manager Neil Wood.
4: Gaffer's pre season uh, finished with what's your assessment of where we're at now with the weeks go for the season? Because there's been looked like a really good uh, phase of playing getting forward and you know, really promising mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's been it's been a, a good pre-season you know when you look back at the different challenges we've had different games um been really good you know uh, the Radcliffe game was was the very beginning we played some some really good stuff but it was more for for minutes and then we played derby out in spain west brom was a really difficult game they came with a h- real high press real um, organized high press same with Bolton, <laughs> <Are you> okay. <laughs> Same with um, Bolton, they came with a, a, a bit of a man-to-man, so again and then again today, you know, a bit more of a, a ho press. Um, and once we got through, we, we were okay. We just needed to show a bit more composure and probably a little bit more quality in the final third. So really good exercise. Um, you know, not too concerned about the resort. We we had to get some minutes into some players coming back. It's good to have maps back out there. Um, Tilly needed extra minutes putting into his legs as well. Uh, same with Garbs, Shep as well. So um, really important. Um, I think we're in, a, we're in a good place going into Forest Green. Um, and yeah, a good exercise. You know, um, uh, we—if uh, you look at the game, really, we had a fair few chances that we, we should put away. Probably three or four clear-cut ones, and I think that's, that can be the difference. You know, I, I can't remember. Kearns have been tested much other than a set-piece, maybe. But, um, yeah, good exercise and, and, on on the whole, a really good pre-season.
4: How much benefit do the players take out of having these different types of challenges? Like, said, you come up against West Brom, uh, in make all the tennis players like you know, they're going to be getting to the level below. What's the benefit for the players? Well, I think they've had a
3: really good experience, and I spoke to them there. The the press against West Brom is difficult to to play out of when you don't play through. And it's a really calculated press. Bolton posed a different threat. And today, again, it was another challenge for us. It was more, more gung-ho press, just go, go and fly at us. And we have to find ways of playing through that and be better either playing around it or playing over it. So really good challenges for us to take on. Um, and you see, when, when we got it right, when we, when we did it well, then we, we looked very dangerous, we looked very good. So we've just got to keep going with that and keep getting better. Um, and these types of challenges, you know, it's, it's, we knew what was
4: today was going to be. Um, and we'll be better better off for it. And for yourself, whilst the coaching staff, how much are you guys taken out of what you've seen in pre-season and how encouraged are you for the season now? Yeah, we've, um, we've played a
3: few different systems and tweaked the system. So even the first half today, we tweaked the system and we put more of a learning objective pre-game on what we wanted to see rather than you know the result being the be all and end all we were looking for a, a real objective from what we wanted to see so um, I think it's important to, to do that um, we've had that in the last couple of games um, and yeah we have played some, some really good stuff and we've got some new signings that are embedding in and finding the feet in the squad um, and we've slowly built up the minutes for the players so yeah we feel uh, you know, we're going to have a good run-in to Forest Green and we feel ready to go into that first match of the season.
4: Cheers, right. Thank you.
0: Right, so for the final time tonight, what fixtures are we looking forward to this weekend? Well, all 12 fixtures on the 5th of August. And at three o'clock kickoffs, Accrington Stanley are taking on Newport County. Colchester have Swindon. Crawley Town taking on Bradford. Crewe have Mansfield. Doncaster taking on a Yorkshire rivals Harrogate. Forest Green Rovers against Salford City. Grimsby versus AFC Wimbledon. Morecambe versus Walsall. Stockport are taking on Gillingham. Sutton United versus Notts County. Tranmere entertain Barrow and Wrexham are taking on MK Dons. So, that brings us to the end of this year's pre-season preview. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Slightly different than how we did it last year, but we've been able to give a full amount of um, interest to all 72 clubs going into this season. Of course, this isn't simply one person's prediction, and not necessarily guaranteed to go any way um, that we might expect. Inevitably, we'll have huge managerial sackings, we'll have huge number of transfers coming in before the window, that could really turn the leagues on their head. That being said, of course, we'll be there every single week covering all of the key action and watching it as it develops. So, thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely weekend, and I will see you next week to talk about all of Game Week 1. So, once again, thank you, and bye-bye.